We are the Narrators 3, Elisa, Lynn, and Chell. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where every plot device comes with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 1 Wrap-Up. Ladies, we did it! Yay! Yay! Can you believe it? No. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. We, we made a podcast, or we've made the first season of a podcast. <laughs> the, the first season of seven. <laughs> Of a oh my god, I forgot there's seven. There are seven seasons. There, there's seven seasons. Yeah, and I've only yeah. seen the first five. Almost I'm, the first five. I've seen the first almost five because we didn't finish season five. I didn't finish season four. I only got yeah. to the beginning of season four. So I'm in for some treats. Yeah. <laughs> and some tricks. <laughs> It'll be a mixed bag for sure. Uh, yeah, I know certain elements are coming. Oh boy. So today we're going to talk about the first season overall, um, what worked for us, uh, what didn't, um, our favorites, our least favorite parts. About like season one's themes, what succeeded, what didn't, in our opinions, and also like maybe what we would have changed if, you know, we were the showrunners <laughs> and we had a say in that writer room. And then we're going to have our usual sponsor break. And then after that, we're going to actually give ourselves a little time to talk spoilers. So if you don't want to know anything about season two going into it, when we hit our lovely little commercial break, um, go ahead and, and stop the episode. We're not going to be going too in-depth into season two, but we are going to give ourselves a chance to talk about what we're excited about for season two, because we are excited for season two. Absolutely. I can say... Probably without bias. I don't need to see the rest of Once Upon a Time to say that. I think season two is my favorite season. It is a very good season. It's a very yeah, good season. It's a good season. Yeah. Seasons one and two are, in my opinion, the strongest out of what I have seen. Yeah, they're super strong. I think there's like half season arcs that are mm -hmm. like on par, really strong. It tends to be a, a hit and miss per, per season with like a stronger arc and a not a strong arc. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's for damn sure. I think we should go ahead and start off with what worked for you this season and what didn't work for you. All right. So overall for me, Snow and Charming were perfect. Mary Margaret and David were less perfect, but that's only because Curse David does nothing but disappoint. But Mary Margaret, she is wonderful throughout. Emma's storyline and her journey is really strong in this first season. I think the storyline of Emma finding her family in this strange, cursed little town is wonderful. I love her friendship that develops with Mary Margaret in the first season. And I love watching her build a relationship with her son, Henry. Their journey and then Snow and Charming's journey in the Enchanted Forest is, is the reason why I've rewatched the first season so many times. Emma's journey worked for me most of all. Like Emma goes from this transient loner to this, you know, settled person who gives a damn and not only gives a damn, but decides to not only take a chance on letting other people in, but also leaning on them and letting herself be depended on. Henry depends on her, like not in a roof over my head, clothes on my back kind of way, even though Emma was kind of heading in that direction or wanted to at least and thought she could before she freaked out and got, you know, almost got cold feet and ran off. But, you know, when push came to shove and his life was literally on the line, you know, she was there and just seeing 
her going from pilot all the way to a land without magic really was a hero's journey. Like it was marvelously executed hero's journey, I think. Also the snowing arc, um, snow and Prince Charming. Like I can say now that like, this is definitely my favorite adaptation of Snow White. I think they are both very capable people as individuals and even stronger together in their love and respect and devotion to each other. And that's kind of like a good message to like send to the children (laughs) is that, you know, you are a well-rounded character on your own and you now found this person who compliments you and your personality and your life and that you love and you want to work together as equals to uh, share that journey of life together you know, your partners. And that's kind of like where a lot of like old school fairy tales sort of fail. A lot of the young women in the fairy tales are are young, like they're young girls, like, and they don't really reach autonomy before they're swept off their feet and rescued. And it's, and it's a nice image, but like in our day and age, we need something with more equal footing. And I think they executed that very well with Snow White and Charming. And they're adults, like they're legit adults, you know? Like she's not playing like she's 14, you know? Mm-hmm. Nor is she meant to be. I really like Rumpelstiltskin's backstory. I love the story of him and Bay. I do wish we got a little bit more of him in quieter moments as the Dark One and not just like the gleeful imp. You know, like kind of like the quiet moments we glimpsed in Skin Deep, but like in other episodes, you know, and I think there might be a little bit more of that coming. Um, there, there is. There's yeah. a little more of that coming. I think there's a little bit more of that coming. So I know that like my my quibble is is just that. Like it is a little, it's an itty bitty quibble. Snow and Charming work for me and have always worked for me. I'm a sap for all the bones that I have with the show, they set up a legitimately beautiful and compelling love story for them. And I adore it. Even if the same can't be said for their storybook counterpoints, because they made choices with David. Do I know why they made those choices? No, but they did. And they made him a jerk for some reason. The other thing I feel like I really liked was this family you find undercurrent, like Sherry, Mary Margaret, does end up being Emma's mother, but neither of them really know or believe that when they form this bond that is honestly one of the strongest and most wonderful things that the show does. Like 99% of the Mary Margaret and Emma scenes are beautiful and heartfelt. And even things like the sort of almost soft found family triangle that is Mr. Gold, Emma, and Henry, regardless. Yeah, like it's, it's a weird, it's, they, they have this soft little found family that I really came to love regardless of the weird out of character moment the gold has in the finale. Like putting that aside, if you don't look at that, it's very sweet. And to some points it's literal since Henry literally found Emma. And while I don't like the show wants to harp on that someone is less your parent for having adopted you because that's shitty, don't do that. Henry and Emma's relationship is almost as much the heart of the show as Snow and Charming's. And they both have this aspect of you found me that is kind of beautiful. That was beautifully said and I totally agree. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) That's why this season is so good is everything you just said. Yeah, like the the I found you undercurrent theme. Yeah, it's it's 
like i know that's ultimately snow and charming's thing you like you know i'll find you i'll always find you but that's also that's also henry and emma's theme yeah Yeah. because he first finds her and then essentially by means of the curse she finds him when she wakes him up yeah so they also have that symmetry which i really love yeah my feelings i know my feels my feels (laughs) unfortunately that ends my good things (laughs) yeah now for the uh the bad and the ugly the number one thing that didn't work for me and we've talked about this before and like heads up for you know sensitive content but yeah that reveal in the heart is a lonely hunter a core theme moving forward is Regina's redemption. But what she did to the Huntsman, to Graham, is is irredeemable. And that's not to say I don't enjoy Regina's arcs moving forward. I do. But they should have never written this plot if they weren't willing to impact what they did to Graham, what they had her do to Graham. It is swept under the rug because it's awful. They, they didn't want to handle it because they wrote something awful. And so if you're going to need to sweep your story under the rug to move forward, it's something you never should have done in the first place. And the other big ick factor for me, um, that episode, uh, Fruit of the Poisonous Tree, uh, because literally the writers had their only main actor of color have a plot all about being a captive. And that's a shitty thing to have done. It, it It was poorly done. And this is the only episode we get centered around Giancarlo who's an amazing actor and it's just it's deeply uh, uncomfortable and and wasted talent he deserved better than this shitty backstory of being people's possessions and your audience deserved better than that that story being told agree 100% I think the most egregious sins of once upon a time comes down to insensitive and lazy writing the hubris of writing Regina as an abuser and expecting her to be able to come back from that is just astounding. And that Sydney Glass was literal house decor is just, it, I mean, it's just so mind-bogglingly insensitive that I'm amazed. You know what? I'm amazed that I'm amazed that they got away with it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, like my only surprise is that I am surprised. So, like, I'm just like, oh, God damn it. Because I know that you can do better. Like, do better. Don't be lazy. Like, and one, he's a, Giancarlo is a fabulous actor. And I'm not saying he was not a great Sydney Glass, you know? That part is fine. And even him being the magic mirror, fine. But also the genie? I'm like, oh my, like, you went from one bondage to another. Yeah. And I'm like, that's... Like, I'm like, I get what you're doing. I get what you're doing. And I can see it. But I don't like what you did with the casting. You know, like, can't we give this this wonderful actor like a little bit more of an autonomous character, like a little bit more agency? I, I just feel like it's very backwards and unforgiving. There's also rushed characterization without earning needed growth and which we touched on in red-handed like between red and granny if they had you know like with red storming out and like standing up for herself but then at the end of the episode which takes place like literally at the end of the day like coming back to granny and I'm just like this gets into another theme of family which I will talk about 
later, but they have 22 episodes and I feel like their attention was focused too much on characters that didn't need that excess plot and too little on characters that did, you know, that they wanted, they wanted to clearly grow like Red, but then they didn't actually give them the time and respect that that character deserved. And it's like, if you, if you plan to do it later down the line, fine. But then don't just throw us an episode because you have 22 slots to fill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, just give us a little bit and don't wrap it up so neatly in a package and expect us to like buy it at the end of that episode. Like, well, well, everything's hunky-dory now. It's just not believable. It's not plausible. So yeah, like rushed in some areas and then like painfully stretched out with others. So which unfortunately becomes a <laughs> a recurring complaint of mine. All right, so that's 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 mine. So I know I'm being a joiner because I'm definitely going to talk about things you guys have already talked about. But whatever, here we are. One of my problems with Once Upon a Time is like it almost makes this stand like it wants to bring up hard issues, but never actually goes through with them. Mm-hmm. Like for as awful as The Heart is a Lonely Hunter is, they could have really taken the opportunity of the awful choices they made in that episode and made a larger discussion about how overlooked that kind of abuse is and like the weird prevailing idea that women can only be the subject of that kind of abuse and never the perpetuator of it. But instead, they never say anything about it ever again. And eventually, semi-spoiler alert, the show wants to work towards Regina's redemption, but that just never gets brought up at all. The fact that she did this horrible thing. It's actually, is kind of a theme we see later with another character that I won't talk about yet. Because also, spoiler, that just never gets addressed. These awful things happen and it's just treated like, oh, girl boss has the upper hand, how sexy. And it's not sexy at all, but it's, it's a weird theme because then we also get that scene with Catherine and David where she tells him that she won't make him do anything he doesn't want to and he makes it explicitly clear that he really isn't comfortable doing anything physical with her and she's like absolutely absolutely and then five seconds later she's cramming her tongue down his throat like consent just goes out the window in this show and that's actually kind of one of my biggest issues with the show and this season is there is a weird undercurrent of abusers not being called for their abuse at all. We're supposed to just be like, oh, what a badass and not look, they did this horrible thing to a person in a much different position of power than them. Because Regina aside, who is, yes, supposed to be a villain, we get things like the episode Red Handed. And I know I talked about it at the time, but Granny is legitimately abusive to Ruby, legitimately. And not only do they try and frame it as, oh, she's a tough old badass, they wrap the story up by having Ruby go back to her abuser with her tail between her legs. Like, gee, she's right. Guess this is all I'm worth. As if they hadn't made some feeble attempt to set the episode up about her coming into her own and realizing she can be something better than what Granny has forced on her. And like, let's not even get into the weird slut shaming thing. Like what I called out in that episode where she goes on and on and on about how trampy she thinks Ruby dresses. And then you see another waitress who's wearing the exact same outfit which granny would have had to picked out because she owns the establishment yep shitty shitty and like i know that those are obviously two different things but they both send a message that is almost condoning abuse and i don't like it it sits wrong with me because both grand 
and Ruby are victims of abuse and there is never any sort of closure to what they went through or is it even addressed really the wrongness of how they were treated and nobody nobody else like calls it out well first nobody knows no. about Graham. nobody knows about Graham nobody, nobody knows, knows about Graham no one ever knows. learns no one ever learns no like one ever I can learns. I can almost like I can almost forgive that no one calls out Regina for the Graham thing because like literally the only person who knows what Regina did to Graham is Regina and it's not like she's gonna fucking say anything about it right but the whole town sees how granny treats ruby yeah yeah and they just sit there and are like oh but it's none of my business better drink my coffee now yeah like like, literally the uh, only person you know who wanted to lift her up and support her during like this time of independence was emma yeah yeah and like even then and i'm not saying emma I don't think what Emma does is great because I do. It's not like at any point anyone watched how Granny treated Ruby and was like, hey, don't talk to her like that or anything like that. It's always like, you know, like quietly to the side, Emma's like, you can be more than your abuser has taught you you can be is like what Emma kind of says to her in the sheriff's office where no one but Emma and Ruby can hear her. But like the whole damn town watches this happen and no one says a thing. Yeah, no one stands up to Granny. And like, it always happens really publicly because Granny feels the need to just do this in front of a restaurant full of people or like in the middle of the street multiple times. Yeah. yeah. And it just bothers me, this whole like, abuse is fine. <laughs> yeah. Because family. Is fine. It's the best. Yeah, she's family. She's family. family. So yeah. at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how bad she treats you. She's your grandma. You got to take it. Yeah. Fuck that. Those are the biggest issues I had. Obviously, I had others. Like, I fully agree that True North is a waste of air and time and money and Emma Caulfield. And Fruit of the Poisonous Tree was, like, horrifying on many levels that were mostly racist. But uh, I really wouldn't be correct in my talking about things that I did and didn't like if I didn't address the thing that I hate the most in this whole show, which is fucking August. (laughs) (laughs) We all knew it was coming. It's okay. Yep. Like, could he have been an interesting character? Maybe. But he was just awful instead. Like, they they just wrote this douche who sidles into town to mansplain to Emma and then cry, literally cry, when she doesn't immediately be like, oh my god, you're right, and also so handsome. I will absolutely take on this responsibility I didn't know about or want that you were, you know, supposed to prepare me for, and I'm going to do it with a smile and also fall in love with you in the process. Like, gross, 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 (laughs) gross, gross, gross. Especially coming on the tail of her first love interest, who we get introduced to, beautiful, kind, puppy dog-eyed Graham. We go from this to this guy who just does nothing but pressure Emma to try and do things she is not comfortable with from the moment he shows up. And also, like, creeps on her child constantly? And once again, we're supposed to be sympathetic to this behavior. Like, what? Like, I guess he at least kind of gets comeuppance, but... They created a character who is awful from day one. Like, remember one of the flashback scenes we have is Child Pinocchio literally torturing Jiminy Cricket, which is shittily played for laughs. And then he then grows up into this absolute creep who we're all supposed to think is cool. Did shitty things happen to him? Yes. But hey, he also abandoned Emma, so she got to face all the shitty things completely on her own. So I'm not sure at what point I'm supposed to be on board with August because let's face it, he's a bastard man and I have no time for him and I never want to see him again. 
okay, I'm done. <laughs> well, Lynn, how do you We're really feel about August? Yeah, I know. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED talk about how August is one of the worst characters ever written in any show ever. Lynn, is he actually a great character because he makes you have such extreme reactions? No. <laughs> <laughs> like he could have been completely written out of the show and the show would not have been worse for it. Yeah. Like yeah. we don't, we don't actually need him. We don't actually need his character. Like Emma could have gone through the wardrobe by herself and just like have been found by someone who then brought her to an orphanage because really that was the only purpose he ultimately even served in her plot was to get her from point A to point B in that sense. Cause then he just fucks off. So he's, he's unnecessary. Literally yeah. all he's there to do is upset me. And he's supposed to come back to, you know, get her to believe and he, he never succeeds. Only Henry does. Yeah. Cause Henry is a good boy and not yeah. a piece of shit. It's true. And yeah. August, like when she doesn't immediately be like, you're right. I believe you just lays down on the forest and cries. <laughs> Cause that'll yeah. get a woman to be like, oh yeah, let's do this thing. I, I could, I could literally just spend two hours talking about all the reasons why August was a terrible character and why he didn't need to be in the show and shouldn't have been. But I'm not going to waste everybody's time with that. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> to our next question. Did the showrunners succeed at their themes? All right. Well, I don't think the first season succeeded with the very specific thesis of belief in a happy ending is a very powerful thing. I do think it succeeds with the message that belief itself is power. What saves the day time and time again is belief and love. Emma breaks the curse because she believes and loves Henry. Henry leads Emma to become a true hero because he believes in her. Mary Margaret doesn't end up leaving Storybrooke because Emma believes in her. Charming and Snow believe in each other and save each other time and time again. Like, that's true love, bitch. That's some Sailor Moon shit. I can't help it. I, I love me a good fairy tale where, where love saves the day. And it, it absolutely does in Once Upon a Time. And some of the more tragic moments of the show stem from someone not believing. Cursed David doesn't believe Mary Margaret's innocence. Regina gets away with so much because Emma doesn't believe she's the mastermind behind everything. And Henry almost dies because Emma doesn't believe him about the curse. So while it's not the belief in a happy ending that gives our heroes their power, it's absolutely the belief in each other. And heck, I think I like that even better than the initial thesis. I thought that was great. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I think they more strongly accomplish the nothing is more powerful than true love theme than the happy ending theme because those things really aren't mutually exclusive. But it's definitely the driving point for the Snow and Charming plot. And, and that does work because true love is what over and over again proves to be the most powerful thing in their plot line. And that even generationally bleeds over to Emma and Henry, even if it's in a different form. It was still true love that broke the spell on Henry and lifted the curse, just like it's the vehicle that enables Snow and Charming to find each other again and again. And that did work for me. The happy ending theme, maybe not, because like, did anyone really 100% get a happy ending? No, because A, the show is still going, and most of them still have a plot, with the exception of a few that we don't really get to see again, and B, even the people who got close got it snatched by Regina's curse, so more than that, I would agree that it 
better theme is belief and hope and not, oh, we'll get happily ever after. Agree with both of these. Also, I think family is a huge theme with season one. And Absolutely. Once upon, yeah. And once upon a time overall. And I like the idea of reunification among families, but there is also a dismissal of found families, of blended and adopted families that we called out early on. And also this, you put up with your family's bullshit because they're family. Like only Jiminy gets to escape. And only by magical interference that literally changed his species. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had to be like transmogrified into something else to get away from his abusive family. Right. And you're right. He's the only one that does. Right. And I think it's, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting vehicle to show like a Jiminy Cricket like backstory, but given all of the other horrible fucking messages that they have with family, I'm just like, really? You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about that, but I, I do think you're right that with a lot of the other like really weird family signals that they send out that like, I don't know that this is the only instance in which someone you actively see escape their abusive household is kind of yeah. bad. Because the only one, other one that comes close is, I guess, Cinderella, but that happens off camera. We never get to see the household she comes from. Yeah. That yeah, you you don't you don't see Cinderella's backstory. You you see no. her right before she goes to the ball, and you only see her when she's in her quote unquote good circumstances. Yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, and we'll talk about this. I'm sure all of us <laughs> later. They did not do a successful job with Cinderella anyway. Oh no, oh no, she's so. she's she's a bad example to begin with because like half the time I honestly forget that we even got a Cinderella plot line at all. Right. Because it's, it's so, it's nothing. It's nothing. nothing. And and it really does hinge on the audience knowing her story. Yeah. Cause if you, if you didn't like, I don't know, that would be meaningless to you. It's practically meaningless knowing the story. Right. Yeah. Your only emotional investment in that episode is in Emma because Emma cares and that's it. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I guess like in, you know, it, it at least moves the plot along in some aspects because like, you know, that's how. That's how Rumple gets the wand. That's how we like work in the like, oh, this is the hero's edge with the curse. And and that's how he gets in jail. And yeah, then that's, like, that's also like how he gets uh, the very big favor from Emma. And then in a way that's kind of also shitty when you think about it, because it's supposed to be an episode about Cinderella, but honestly, it's more about Rumpelstiltskin. So yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a Rumpelstiltskin episode, which is, you know, not to, not to shit on Rumpel. He's a very good character, but like, it's kind of crappy that you're like, we're going to tell a story of a girl. Just kidding. It's about this man. Well, not only that, but it's like, why the hell would you waste Cinderella? Yeah. Cinderella is a great (laughs) story. Cinderella is a huge, huge, like she is on par with Snow White as far as like the top like fairy tale princesses oh yeah so I mean, why she's the, the hell? one that gets the castle in florida in florida it's cinderella's castle yeah so like why are you just kind of like oh throwing her away like that no, they yeah wasted, i'm like wasted her dude they absolutely wasted cinderella i'm like i don't know look at the like i'm like why couldn't we do like just the bare bones basic girl bare came bones. a frog and kissed him and now he's a yeah the princess and the pea i mean the 12 dancing princesses i mean there's there is dozens of princesses oh, I know. like i had that you could have just tossed in there i for had that. a book of grimm's fairy tales when i was a kid that weighed more than i did like there are so many things they could have just, if they needed to just have like a throwaway princess for an episode. Yeah. There's so many like paragraph long Grimm's fairy tales. They could have just been like, oh, she's princess XYZ from the story about the peasant that fell down a hill or whatever the hell. 
Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, it would have been like, oh, that's cool that they did that deep dive. Yeah, because you would have been like, oh, no one talks about that grim fairy tale. Good job, Once Upon a Time. But instead, exactly. they, they squandered one of the most like popular princess stories out there. Yeah. So it's just like, okay. Good job. Except no. Except no. Right. And I know I got super off topic because I was talking about no, like, that's okay. Well, we'll get back there now because I act I wanted to agree with you that like in some family. aspects in some aspects they do the family thing really well. Like I love, like I mentioned, like even though they don't know their mom and daughter, I love that you right. actually no, see no, no. that with the Mary actual, Martha and Emma. The actual bond that they develop organically is um, maternal. Is very maternal and and somewhat sisterly because they you know they are the same age the same age but there's like there's a very like there's an organic genuine familial love between those two and the show does do that right yes and they develop henry and emma very well Mm -hmm. it's just that you know they're like okay well because regina is his adoptive mom and she's the evil queen clearly she's a bad mom and like she's not as uh as important she's not as vital she doesn't count like her motherhood doesn't count yeah it's yeah. it's a shitty theme because they basically they they do draw this hard line of blood family is the end all be all regardless to the point of regina yes she is a bad person and i'm not gonna say she's not a bad person she's a bad person she is but she loves henry and she had henry since he was a baby and she raised him and she took care of him and she sport all these years of love and labor into this boy to just like have this woman just show up out of nowhere one day and be like well I'm biologically his mom so you don't really count anymore yeah and I think that's one of the reasons why I love uh, one of the last scenes in the season when Regina is you know about to scramble away from everyone once the curse is broken yeah her last line her last line like no matter what they say I do love you and because that is true like it's true it's true shitty shitty things she did like she always ultimately loved Henry and I think Archie we we all agreed that like Archie said it best when Emma was like consulting him for advice to be on her side and he just like he's like look I'm I'm not like I'm gonna be honest like Regina is his mom too and you know everything that she's done has been a defensive reaction yeah. Yeah, like like as for for all the shitty things she did, it was hard not to be like, yeah. Yeah, in like the first episode where Emma's like, this is kind of cool to know I have a kid where Regina's just like, excuse you bitch, I am his mother, you weren't there, I was. Yeah. Like it was understandable because you're like, yeah, you are his mom. You went through all this stuff. You didn't even know he was your son until 15 minutes ago, ma'am. Yeah. This so this like, is the lady who rocked him to sleep and changed all the diapers and on her yeah. own. She didn't have a partner. No, she did all of this on her own. Like she, she raised him. Yeah. So like, cause they, they, they draw that line and it's a bad line to draw because they draw that first with Regina where it's like, she's not any less his mother because she adopted him. Let's like, just let's dispel that. It's gross. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of keep that current also with what I talked about before, because that's the whole like shitty resolution to red handed is like, yeah. it doesn't matter that granny is her abuser she's biologically her grandmother so she you know better go on back because family trumps everything your blood family is everything it doesn't matter if they're awful to you and like god damn what a fucked up message is that yeah absolutely yeah which is weird because on the other hand they do some beautiful storytelling with family and even like found family 
even yeah. though a lot of times the found family in this show turns out to actually have been related actually, to you the whole time yeah. because when you get further in one spot of time basically everybody's related to everybody <laughs> <laughs> but like with the storybook plot line they're all cursed they don't know anything about that so like the one i think i keep going back to is ultimately mary margaret and emma they don't know that they're actually related when they form this bond and that kind of feels almost like a found family thing yeah no it's absolutely special like because yeah because she refers to mary margaret as my family before she believes any damn thing about the curse right like she says i can't lose my family yeah and it's so it's so important because emma is someone who is so closed off she's so closed off after everything she's been through in her life and she's finally opened up to someone she's opened up to mary margaret and she's opened up to henry and it's a it's a huge deal and that part of the story is just beautifully written they yeah they do that so well like on some aspects they do family so well and then they dig in their heels on other aspects that it's just so problematic yeah which I guess is kind of once upon a time. It's once upon they a do, time. They do some things really beautifully and then other stuff you're just like, God damn, that's really problematic. Why Why did you ever think this was a good idea? Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, what would you have changed plot-wise? So I think Graham could have lived up through the end of season one. Emma would have served better as the deputy up until season like the end of season one or towards the end of season one. So that way her friendship with Graham could have blossomed a little bit more deeply and organically and whether it became more is irrelevant you know what i mean get rid of august (laughs) you could easily write him out of the show and nothing would suffer for it i guess you could still have pinocchio in the like flashback when you see geppetto being tasked with making the wardrobe but you could have cut out all the like he has to go with her thing because he didn't fucking do jack shit after he did that let's face it well, I mean, that was the point that he was, he wasn't going to do jack shit. Which I realized, but I feel like that didn't need a whole episode. I think that they really wanted to shoehorn Augustine, but his characterization was just written so poorly. And he's a very polarizing character in the fandom. People love him or hate him. People love uh, him? Yeah, there people are people do, yeah. who love him. Wow, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I just wanted better for him because being the boy who unjustly was charged with taking care of a baby is a compelling story. But there were other ways to show that he had grown up selfish and hedonistic, but needed to reform. That is the story that I wanted to see. I wanted to see someone trying to make amends, you know, someone actually realizing the true error of their way and trying to be a better person and trying to redeem themselves. But as we got it, August will always come off as very self-serving to me because he only came back to Emma and Storybrooke because he was turning into wood. Like he got his painful reminder and that's what prompted him. And I'm like, so this isn't actually because you genuinely want Emma to believe and break this curse and end everybody's suffering you just want her to end your suffering. Yeah. And that to me was done just so poorly because it's never like she never even accuses him of that. And I'm like, this is so glaringly self-serving. And the whole point of the Pinocchio story was him learning to be selfless. Like when he, you know, like when we got the flashback in the past of him as a puppet, you know, 
insisting that his father save himself and then, you know, like abandoning ship. So that way his father was forced to take the life jacket or whatever it was. And that's what earned him flesh and bones. And August, to me, still didn't act in a selfless way. He still is doing this for selfish reasons. Yeah, I think the August backstory is interesting because when we get the flashbacks, that story works very well as a mirror to what Emma is going through, both in an episode and then the whole season. is being tasked with something that she didn't sign up for, she wasn't prepared, and now all of a sudden it's her responsibility and she doesn't want that responsibility and and she leaves just like, you know, August does that little boy. Just like August did, right, because he was charged with a task that he did not ask for either exactly yeah so that little bit of the story works really really well but it's hard to like august himself because he's not emma returning because you know she she wanted to do better for henry she wanted to do this the right way august didn't want to do this the right way he just came back for self-serving reasons yeah he would have lived his whole good goddamn life as is if emma had never made it to storybrook you know what I'm saying? Like if, if yeah, I had no, never absolutely. shown up, if Henry had never found her, if none of it had ever happened. If his ass was not on the line, he never would have come back. He never no. would have come. Never. And I'm like, this this is not a satisfactory character arc. Like No, he's, he's just a selfish dick. He's just a selfish prick. Yeah. And you know, I I wanted him to be actually redemptive during his time in Storybrooke. And instead we just get this like, hey, I'm cool. I'm mysterious. I'm a hipster. You know, like I'm a writer. August you know, W. Booth. Comfortably you- lech on you and spend way too much time with your son. Yeah. And it's just like this dumbass, like James Dean Hemingway fuckboy personality just did not work. Yeah. No. And like we're supposed to really like, I guess, feel bad for him when he's like, the curse is overtaking me. And it's like, yeah, except the episode, The Stranger, makes a very, very important point of being like, hey, as long as you're not a shitty person, you're gonna be fine. Yeah. Just don't be a shitty person. It's really easy. Just be basically a decent human being. Yeah. Or you're gonna get turned into wood. But that won't happen if you're not a bastard. Yeah. So it's just like, we're supposed to feel bad for him. And it's just like, oh, no, if it isn't literally the consequences of my own actions. <laughs> and it's like, well, you kind of fucking had that coming then, didn't you? Right. All you had to do was be decent. Not like be a saint, be perfect. Just be decent. Just be decent. Don't yeah. lie to people and fuck them over all the time. And you're going to be just good to go. And he couldn't even do that. So, yeah, he's a stupid, awful bastard, man. What about you, Elisa? What would you change? Well, first thing I would have cut is the awful non-consensual relationship plot with Regina and Graham, because I just, I would have given Graham a less awful backstory and a kinder fate. You know, he deserved better. And so did the fans watching the show. They did not deserve to have to deal with this this kind of story. That no shit, especially considering I'm not usually like somebody who's like, protect the children. Like, I'm not, I'm not like that at all. But, you know, this was on ABC. You're having kids watch this and it's like, whoa, dude, like, okay, you're either an adult show or you're not. Pick a fucking tone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is like, if you're going to be an adult show, be an adult show. That means you have to address these sorts of themes. Like, you can't just throw that in there. 
you know, and you're right. Like, I just don't feel like they were um, talented enough writers to handle unpacking that theme and working towards an acceptable resolution. So therefore they should have cut it out completely. Yeah. They, they don't unpack it. So they should have Ooh. never done it in the first place. They clearly regret that they did do it. So why did they even do it? <laughs> I don't know. I think you might be giving them too much credit. I think, I think they honestly yeah. just never thought about it again. Uh, yep. But like they do essentially that same plot with another character later. That's like, why I have trouble with the concept that they obviously felt bad about it. I think yeah, they, no, no. I at think all. they didn't. I think they just I think they threw it in for shock value and then just were like, that's enough and dusted off their hands and kept going because they, they clearly don't think there's a problem with it because it's a thing they keep coming back to with multiple characters. So I don't I don't I don't think they honestly felt bad about it i think they just i think they didn't think about it at all i think they they're like hashtag like, boss lady yeah i think they wrote it as a shitty one-off to be all like "Ooh, what a bad bitch she's in charge and like didn't at any point think of the really fucked up implications of that clearly because then they go on to do it more with different characters later on yeah but anyway you were talking i just wanted to speak to the, the them regretting it because i don't think they do I would give minor characters like Archie and Ruby more lines mm -hmm. and, and more stakes in the overall story. I, I think they're both terribly underutilized. Mm -hmm. and I think the trimming of one-off characters like Hansel and Gretel and Cinderella could have given them the space to shine more. And also I would have done Cinderella better. I love Cinderella. I love, I love the tale. I love the kindness she shows through such hardships and they didn't do anything with that. And this, this one is it's hollow. It's absolutely hollow. And it, it makes me extra sad because Cinderella is one of my top princesses. I also would have completely redone Sydney Glass's Enchanted Forest persona because Sydney Glass is a fun and interesting antagonist and he deserved a better enchanted backstory. What they gave him was just unacceptable. And uh, yeah, less slut shaming about Ruby. At least I remember it goes away in later seasons, but still, there's no need for it. No need. I think... I think they struggled having 22 episodes to fill and they tried to do way too much in those 22 episodes as in like, as I said, like their pacing was off, especially when it came to characterization, like Hansel and Gretel should have never been introduced in season one. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like true yeah. North should, should just never have existed. It should have been a later down the line episode. And I feel like Hansel and Gretel would have been really awesome as like reoccurring allies to Henry as it is. We will never see them again. <laughs> so like, it's just like, Oh, okay. You know? And like that episode didn't even really move the plot along. It did absolutely nothing for the plot other than Emma lying to Henry about his dad yeah and yeah. that could have absolutely that could have happened at any in, literally price any of gold. other episode it would, most of this dealt with the same themes in price of gold they could have had that conversation in price of gold absolutely 100 percent price of gold that's exactly where that like that whole exchange should have happened and so i feel like they could have used that extra episode to flush out ruby uh, a bit more like maybe that was the episode of red-handed and where she starts helping Emma, you know, at the sheriff station. Although I still say like, if I were in charge and I would have changed shit, Emma still would have been the deputy. Graham would still be alive. But then, but the, still, I feel like, you know, Ruby could be helping out other, like trying out different hats. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like <laughs> working for Mr. Gold in the pawn shop. <laughs> <laughs> That would have honestly been hilarious. Yeah, we could have had hilarious. her working different She would have fucking dropped episode. so much shit. I don't know why. And he also would just be like, here's this really shady thing I need you to do. And she'd be like, uh. uh, uh. 
and him like knowing who she is and shit because he's he's had his memory since <laughs> since episode one he'd just be like can you go intimidate some people and she's like intimidate and you know like why would i intimidate why, somebody why would i do How? that i like them <laughs> he's like can you just like can you growl can you make like a growling noise at them? what <laughs> What are you talking about? What are you talking about, weirdo? You We're weird, so like, weird. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I'm, I'm not really into the antiquities slash like loan shark business. I'm going to work at a job at the auto shop. Yeah, I would have liked to see her at the rabbit hole, like doing bartending, you know? And like, honestly, that would have been a good gag is you just like in every episode, she's working somewhere else. Yes. That would have been awesome. Like she's just, and then by the like, time. Just randomly, like every place that a character has to walk into, Ruby's working there. Exactly. Like that would have been so great. And it's just her finding herself, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like maybe at the end of season one, you know, she decides she does want to go back to Granny because maybe then by like this whole time, like her and Granny will have like sniping little exchanges. But then like maybe Granny goes, you know, I've, I've realized that, you know, you are actually like this capable woman. And, you know, I'm so sorry for blah, blah, you know, like she has some growth because she realizes she's lonely and that, you know, honestly, the whole thing would have set better if it had been granny had apologized. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. No, no, I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying if granny had been the one to make the first move, it really would have set a lot better. Yeah. Absolutely. Like we just get no granny characterization and I'm like, dude, come on. Like Beverly Elliott is a really great actress. Like, I really like her, like, as Granny. And in, like, in any other scene when Granny is talking and she's not putting down other women, I actually, I, 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 I do like her, you know? But, like, you know, she's sassy and brassy and stuff. But being sassy and brassy does not equate, I must put down other women. Yeah. Yeah, because she's, Lord, she's slut shamey. Yeah, she's very slut shamey. And I just don't feel like that's what a really cool rock and roll badass grandma would ever do no no she definitely wouldn't she wouldn't pull the crap that she pulls with ruby and she wouldn't like do the awful awful shit she does to mary margaret yeah so yeah i would i would throw that kind of characterization out and of course like this is like mostly men writing her yeah obviously is a big problem to begin with and that's a huge problem that's just a huge problem to begin with they're like women hate other women You know, yeah, that's and, that's like such a stupid thing that I feel like comes up so often and it's like, no, 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 no. But yeah, like like the timing and the characterization is like real off for me. And I feel like this formula that they've set themselves up with the present day storybook and the flashbacks. So they feel the need to, you know, they have to fill in these gaps. And so they they think like, oh, what else can we throw at the at the dartboard here, <laughs> throw at the mm-hmm. wall and see what sticks. And that's how you get shitty episodes like True North when all they really needed was the shit that happens between Henry and Emma specifically in Storybrooke. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is where coming from loss proved too much of a crutch for the Kitsowitz in this sense. Because Lost executed this formula much better, like much more successfully than Once Upon a Time initially. You know, like, I mean, I'm not going to speak for future seasons. I'm just saying for season one, like they obviously like ran into problems and I'm not saying Lost is perfect because it's not, but yeah, I I just feel like, you know, you have like these characters that just come and go. And when you have your, your first fucking season, you should just stick to like the already gigantic cast that you have. Yeah. Stop, like, stop trying to shoehorn 
other fairy tale characters in just because you don't know if you're going to be renewed and you just want to get in as many clowns in the clown car that you can, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would have changed plot wise. Also, I mean, I'm always going to say this, but more Mr. Gold. I mean, you know, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. We got, we got plenty of Mr. Gold. More Jefferson. I don't know how oh I didn't God, say that. Yes. Yeah. More, More Jefferson. Jefferson. More Jefferson. I feel I like mean, I said this in an earlier episode, but hey, all that time we wasted on August, what if we had spent that on Jefferson? Yeah, absolutely. Like I would have, I would have loved to have, I mean, like the whole Mary, Margaret, Catherine, David plot happens, starts happening around, I mean, like the, the, kidnapping murder plot mm. um episode like 14 whatever happened to frederick it's 13 but, yeah whatever happened to frederick so if we had moved that down a ways you know again around episode nine then we could have introduced jefferson a little earlier and then given him a backstory episode because i would have liked that i just think we wasted so much time on this mediocre man when sebastian stan was right there you know <sighs> Amen. Like, what the fuck? Why did I have to sit through so much August when I could have been talking about Jefferson? You know, and the shitty part is, is that like Ian Bailey's a good actor. I'm just sad that he was given a shit character. <laughs> like, like, I don't care. I don't care if he's a great actor and other things. I don't care if he's the nicest man in the world. August is a bad character. Yeah. That has nothing to do with his talent. It has nothing to do with the man on a personal level. It has everything to do with August is one of the most terrible characters. Yeah, I know. I just what I'm saying. Like, I would endure. have rather, I would have loved to have seen him embodying a much better character or well-written character. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't have been hard. Apparently it was. Apparently it was extraordinarily difficult because <laughs> almost at no point, the only, the only like two scenes where August is a decent human being is literally in Red Handed where he's yeah. just talking to Ruby and not flirting with her and not being a creeper. He's just just chatting with her about traveling and looking appropriately weirded out by granny and then there was another there was there was another yes I, I will give him that he is one of the only people who seems to have a visceral reaction to like how shitty granny treats ruby yeah. i think that's because he's been on the outside world yeah so he yeah knows just like whoa what the fuck the storybrook time loop time bubble yeah and i think everybody else is just so that's just the way things are yeah exactly yeah so as much as i hate him i will give him that i appreciate that he is the only person who seems to have had like a whoa bitch when granny just laid into ruby yeah so what did you notice during this rewatch that you had not previously noticed my big light bulb moment was hey we learned about mr gold was mysteriously burying in the woods in the heart (laughs) is a lonely hunter i never made that connection before um Also, the big, big revelation to me is that King Leopold is actually awful. Like, he sucks. He really sucks. That's my number one takeaway from this rewatch. Yeah, I I also agree. The awfulness of King Leopold was really glaring in this rewatch. Also, just really how much I enjoy snowing. Like, so, so much. Yeah, you came over. I did. Yeah. (laughs) Hardcore. And also um, Uncle Stiltskin, like him just being in Emma's corner so hard. I mean, yes, of course he wants the curse broken, but he has genuine affection for her and Henry. Yeah. So, and not self-serving, only affection. <laughs> like, a certain, like a certain puppet boy. Yeah. Oh, God. I guess what I noticed is that everyone in season one is a bad father except for Charming. <laughs> 
otherwise it's the terrible fodder committee it really is they all should just join a support group they're yeah. such bad dads yeah <laughs> mr gold is a great uncle even if he failed as the father some some folks are just built to be the fun aunt or uncle i i am always suitable to be the fun aunt so i understand that <laughs> So now we've come to the part where we get to talk about our top favorite episodes. So seventh place is probably 7.15 a.m. I, I love that episode very much. Six, likely the, the finale of Land Without Magic. I think that's a really solid one. Five, An Apple Red is Blood. I think the penultimate episode is actually a little stronger than the finale, which honestly checks out for a lot of shows. Often the penultimate is actually like the best episode of the season. And I think this one, An Apple Red is Blood, was, was very standout. For my fourth episode, probably red-handed. Even if I do have some issues with it, I just, I love that episode. I, I love both plots. Um, I think it's so well done, has great dramatic timing. I love the friendship between Snow and Red. It's, it's a beautifully shot episode. Just, I love that one. For number three, Hat Trick, one of my absolute top episodes of the season. It's such a great episode. Like it's it's kind of self-contained, but still moves the plot along. And Sebastian Stan is just excellent in it. And and great acting from both Jennifer and Jennifer as well. Love that time devoted to Sebastian Stan because he just he just kills it. My second favorite episode is actually probably Pilot. I do really love the pilot episode. And you know, it is not perfect. It's absolutely not perfect, but it's a strong pilot and it makes you excited about the show and it makes me feel so many things, you know, when I watch it and, and get pumped and like, oh yeah, I'm ready. Let's do this again. Okay. I'm in it. I'm in it. So gotta, gotta give a shout out for that pilot. I think it's a very strong pilot. My top absolute favorite episode of the season is Snowfalls. Um, it's one of my absolute favorite episodes of the show. I think it's, it's a really strong one. Snow and Charming. I just love them so much. And yeah, it's the, it's the episode I think that made me really fall in love with the show. So gotta, gotta give it for up for us. No falls. How about you, Chell? All right. Well, I had trouble putting them in order, but I did just now. (laughs) So I have top seven and uh, number seven is Desperate Souls just because we get our introduction to Bay. So I really love that episode because Bay, protect Bay. Bay. Bay is a very good boy. Bay is a good boy. Dylan Schmidt is a really good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's an interesting backstory to Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, it was a great one. Also on that note, um, I have the return as number six because again, Bay, and we finally get to see like what happened to Bay. Um, although ugh, that episode has way too much August in it. <laughs> like, and and I hate, I hate what he does to Mr. Gold. So I, 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 t- I was torn with putting that episode in my top seven. I was like, oh, should I? Cause, but I love the Enchanted Forest scenes so much in that. I would say that that one's like tied with pilot. Number five, red-handed because yeah, it has some problems, but oh man, it is a beautiful, beautiful episode as far as like the Enchanted Forest scenes go, because they <gasps> actually filmed it in a real location. <laughs> and the practical was, sets and those practical sets. And it was amazing. And like that forest was gorgeous and ugh, like seeing red and snow develop their friendship was great. And, you know, more of Ruby. So more Ruby and more of red. Uh, number four, Snow Falls, for all the reasons that you love it. Um, it's just, it's a solid fucking episode. 
Like it's really good. This is pretty much the episode where I think a lot of fans get on board. They get on that snowing train. You know, you're like, yeah, I believe in them, you know, as a couple. Like, I want to see these two dummies get together, you know? (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's an episode that really moves the plot along. Three is hat trick because, because Sebastian Stan. Let's be real. That's all I need to say. It's Sebastian Stan. That's valid. That is all you need to say. That's that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. I put number two as Skin Deep, which I know, which will surprise a lot of people. I'm honestly shocked by that. That it's not my number one. I'm bitter about how the fuck Regina knew about Belle. And I'm pretty certain they never explained that. Probably not. So I was like, how does, what, you know? So that still bothers me. And I don't know. Like, I, I love Skin Deep. It's not without flaw, though, you know? And besides, my number one favorite episode is A Land Without Magic. And I just feel it's because there's a lot of payoff in it. Yeah. Um, and we've, you know, it's a lot of payoff of characterization. And I get to see Belle and Rumple reunite. And then they get to tell each other, finally, that they love each other, those two dum-dums. So those two idiots finally get to kiss, like, for real, and tell each other that they love each other. And to me, that's like you know, that's very important. And then plus, you know, Emma, Emma breaks the curse and fights a fucking dragon, even though I have problems with that. <laughs> we all do. You could have just barked it into Emma's hands. And I know, exactly. <laughs> just fucking Heimlich yourself against one of those rocks. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it was, it was just a really, it's a really, really solid season finale. And I can't think of too, too many flaws with it. And like I said, it left me with that feeling of just satisfied enough to feel like I can deal with the time between the next season. Like it left me wanting for more, but it didn't leave me on an aggravating cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I really love A Land Without Magic. I think it's a, I, I just think it's a really solid episode. So that's why that one's number one instead of Skin Deep. Although Skin Deep is obviously a very, very close second. Lynn, what about you? I couldn't do seven. That's so okay. I only did five. That's, <laughs> that's okay. okay. Number five is an apple as red as blood. You're all going to be really shocked by the fact that like every fucking one of my top episodes is a snowing episode. Consider Except for one, shock. mostly because not only does it just have like God, some of the most beautiful heartbreaking scenes in it, but also just like the genuine, just like found family. Oh my God, I'm back to it. Cause that has like the whole really good found family with her and the dwarves. Yeah. And her oh, yeah. friendship, which just always makes me just be like her and Grubby's friendship. Yeah. Surprise number four is 7.15 a.m. Another snowing episode. Oh, such a good one. Because it's just, it's beautiful. It's so heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking yeah. and beautiful. Even if it is the, turning point for when david starts to become disappointing mm-hmm. yeah it's still it's a beautiful tragic deeply romantic episode number three is heart of darkness and i know no one else chose it but listen i love heart of darkness it's a really good episode it's an absolutely great episode <laughs> there's not a lot of things i love more than snow white when she's quote-unquote heartless yeah she's so i good. love her and plus that episode has my favorite line in the entire show so i couldn't not put the little knife between your tuffets <laughs> that's your favorite line <laughs> oh oh no. i know that's in a raffles red as blood never mind mm-hmm. yeah no my my favorite line is sneezy going oh. you 
broke my mug and her going, you're lucky I didn't break that mug you call a face. <laughs> ha- happy, but yes. Best Look line. you did the sh- happy. <laughs> you- yes, because there's that really good line. It's such a good scene. I it love- is a really good scene. I love Heart of Darkness, especially since like that scene leads in with like the stereotypical, like her like singing and sweeping and like the bluebird coming to land on her. Honestly, if we were, you know, I, I should have put this category in instead of like episodes, I should have put one of our top favorite scenes because oh, honestly, know. that scene would have made my top. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it's, so it's one of it's the not, best. It's not one of my favorite episodes, show. but it, but that is one of my top favorite fucking scenes. It's one of the okay. best scenes in the whole goddamn show. Let's, it absolutely yeah. is. Let's not even just season one. Let's be honest. Yeah. Whole no, show. it's it's a great great scene. I love Heart Darkness. It's a good episode. Plus, like, it's also charming at his most himbo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. And I love me a fucking himbo, and I yeah. don't care who knows it. Also, the episode where we get like it's drafty in here or whatever. Oh, yes, we yes. also get we also get Rumple just being like, "I want your cloak." Drafty <laughs> in here, uh, and then just one. randomly showing up in the finale, being like, "I trashed it." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like he it's man. like he went to a festival, and he, he like. He went he let- out of his way to ruin that cloak and then purposefully <laughs> wore it in front of Charming again just to be like, I took good care of your thing. <laughs> <laughs> he went to the Glastonbury Festival and just like like slept in the mud. <laughs> and then like rolled down a cliff in it for no reason. Because <laughs> it's just shredded. Number two is Hat Trick. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had trouble with this because I almost made Hat Trick number one because I waffle. Because sometimes I think Hat Trick might be my favorite episode. It's yeah, so I, I, it's so good. Yeah, because it's just it's so good. It's like it's so good, and not just because my God, I will love Sebastian Stan until the day I die. Not just because of that. It's just it's good. Uh, number one, I feel like you guys are really gonna be shocked by what my number one episode is. So you might want to sit down. I'm sitting down. It's Snowfalls. What? I know. What? Why would I choose the most? You could literally knock me over with a feather. (laughs) Why on earth would I, Lynn, choose the most snowing episode as my favorite episode? Who could see that coming? No one. No one. No one. No one. Not at all. No one. Hey, Lisa. Yeah. What's your bottom, like, least favorite episodes? (laughs) So, bottom three. My third from the bottom is is the heart is the lonely hunter this was a tough one to call because honestly there's there's some great acting in this episode and some wonderful scenes like i love 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 emma and graham in this episode and i love the huntsman and snow white in this episode but there was just irredeemable story choices made that just makes me never want to rewatch this episode like i said for this rewatch was only the second time i had ever we, we we don't we, skip we don't we skip we this one on. we skip this one every time this was the first time i've had to go back to watch it and so it's just it's got to be my bottom just because it makes me so uncomfortable which is a shame there's great acting in it there's some great scenes and sequences in it but overall just some real bad story choices that makes me not feel comfortable going back and watching this one when i'm re-watching the show for fun number two is actually I ended up going with the fruit of the poisonous tree. Not a shock that it's on my bottom three, but the reason why it's two and not one is I don't mind the storybook plot in this episode. I I had fun with Sydney double crossing, you know, sneaking around with Emma, but actually working for Regina. Like it was a it was a pretty fun storyline. I enjoyed it. I think John Carlo was really fun as Sydney Glass, so that part doesn't bother me. 
the flashback is not okay. I'm just not okay with with the with the story they told there. I, I don't I don't like it. <laughs> and so that's why this is another one that just it gets skipped. It gets skipped. I I I think they really dropped the ball there. They told a story that was kind of ick. It was kind of icky. And uh, my bottom episode is is True North. And while it's not as you know, gut-wrenchingly offensive as like two and three is, it's hard to find redeemable qualities in True North. Regina has a great outfit. I, I care a little bit because Emma cares. There's a really good Emma and Henry scene, but that's it. It does so little to move the plot along. It's it's noise. It's it's not much. It's a waste of a 44-minute episode. They could have done something so much better. They didn't have to do this. They could have written anything. Yeah. How about you, Chell? Same exact episodes in the same exact order for the same exact reasons. <laughs> the Heart is a Lonely Hunter is on here purely for irredeemable plot choices. It was beautifully acted, especially by Jamie Dornan. And the scene in the forest with him and Mr. Gold is fucking amazing. And him and Henry as well is a oh, yeah. fabulous scene. And then him and Emma are all, you know, just absolutely amazing. But it was the icky abusive gross. gross plot line between him and regina is irredeemable and therefore it taints the rest of the episode i've already said my piece about what i felt should have happened so yeah but otherwise yeah uh fruit of the poisonous tree still had some it still had some some good good scenes in it um in storybrook and and regina's outfits were really pretty um but yeah true north is definitely my least favorite episode because because it, it should it just should have never existed at all like there was there was absolutely nothing redeemable about that episode it was a complete waste of money and time and emma caulfield as lynn pointed out yeah i also said and air and air <laughs> yes that was 45 minutes that they could have dedicated to characters that they had already established like ruby archie jefferson jefferson exactly yeah i would have i would have loved if they had introduced jefferson in this episode Introduce that would have been early so have him the whole season yeah i wish that they had established his line of business and what he had been up to before we got to hat trick because it's all told in exposition and it's like, bitch, show, don't tell. You're on a visual medium. So you understood only through dialogue what his previous life had been before he was widowed. And I think that they should have set up Jefferson, what he was doing and who he was working with prior to Hat Trick. And so I think we should have had a Jefferson episode with episode nine. Yeah, that's a mixed bag for me because I, I do love the reveal of Hattrick and Hattrick has such great pacing and great storytelling. Maybe the, you know, like maybe we do get like, a you know, like the Mad Hatter there and stuff, but we don't see him in Storybrooke and until we get like a shot of maybe like the house and someone like peering out of the telescope, you know, and we just see like a hat or something like we don't see him you know, at the end of the episode, but like, it could have been an episode about somebody else. And I wouldn't, I'm not going to say who it should have been about because again, it like who he associated with was a spoiler, but you know, like Regina obviously could have been there and stuff. And, you know, he was like this side character whose story we're also seeing unfold. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and then, and then you're like, oh, you know, 
that's cool. They introduced the Mad Hatter. That's that's pretty random. That's neat. They're like, oh, I wonder if he's in Storybrooke. And, and you know, but like you're not seeing him and you're not seeing him in the Storybrooke lot. So you're just like, okay, whatever. And then like, yeah, like the last shot is like the big mansion and and like the telescope, you know, like looking on at Emma, you know, like watching her. That's not creepy at all. But, you know, <laughs> um, but I mean, that's what he was doing. He was spying on everybody. So there are ways that they could have done it. Jefferson would have been a much superior character to explore in episode yeah. nine. Yeah. All right, Lynn, what about you? What are your, your bottom three? I absolutely agree with your guys' bottom three, but I actually have a bottom four because I'm adding in the stranger too. Because s- color me so surprised. <laughs> Listen, I'm nothing if not consistent. <laughs> And I still feel like it was a crime against humanity to have a whole episode of August. I, I needed to shower afterwards. <laughs> I felt I felt unclean. I felt changed for the worse. I didn't need a whole episode about August. No, neither did I. As I said before, and God damn it, I'll say it again. I never want to see that bastard man again. Yep. That's okay, Lynn. I'm going to distract you. Are you? Yeah. Let's talk about pretty clothing. Yay. I guess that'll do. <laughs> so what are your favorite outfits? Mr. Gold's suits, especially with purples, reds, and pinks as the complementary color. Um, Rumpelstiltskin's brown leathers, minus the spiky jacket. I don't like that. Uh, young Snow White's outfits. Oh my God, I want them in Those my closet. So pretty. So cute. Um, almost all of adult Snow White's outfits, because good Lord, I just, mm, pretty, so pretty, especially like the white outfit that we see in, you know, that she was wearing in the coffin. Yes. Oh, love so that pretty. one. Um, Mary Margaret's party frock, the polka dotty ones, and the all, I mean, her entire cardigan collection. I'm just like, just like, I'm not even like a huge cardigan wearer, but I'm just like, I, I just want it all because she has like every color in the rainbow. <laughs> uh, shout out to Ruby's like heart shaped cutout leather gloves and Archie's whole scholarly look. But my favorite dress is Belle's maid outfit, like the, the blue and white. Oh yeah. It's so pretty. It's so pretty. There's so many details that you just like the camera just doesn't even like pick up because you know, they're usually like wide shots. Uh, it's, it's embroidered. It has all these like little itty bitty details. Like even the chemise, like underneath is gorgeous. Ugh, I just, I love it so, so much. And it's like a practical outfit, you know? So I do like that as well. And I love that traveling cloak that we see her in at the end of Skin Deep. Yeah, I think my favorites are probably almost anything worn by Snow. Her wardrobe is is wonderful. I love the costume pieces for the most part that they do for her. Still obsessed with Regina's purple outfit in True North. Chef's Kiss, love that look. The only good thing about True North. <laughs> um, I love Charming's prince outfit in browns his like one that ends up becoming his standards i think it's so dashing it looks so nice and it's basic i know but i love emma's classic red jacket it's just it's her to me and it's such a a simple look but it it's such a nice costume piece for her i don't know i love it how about you lynn i once again will surprise no one because mostly i just really like snow's outfits um her bandit outfit is like one of my top tier. I really want to cosplay that one day. I love it so much. And her wedding dress specifically, like those have both been on my like someday bucket list for like as long as this show's been airing. But also Red's costume. So cute. I love Red's costume. Yeah, Red's outfit is gorgeous. Like that cape, my God. So pretty. Yeah, it's like tapestry. Yeah, Yeah, it's gorgeous. It just has like that 
wonderful thick hang and then like paired with like the tapestry of her corset mm -hmm. is just like it's such a just mm, it's a good look I love it so pretty so so pretty so what about your least favorite outfits uh Prince Abigail's feather disaster with like the, sh the shoulder thing that like weirdly wobbles when we see her walk like poor Princess Abigail deserved better than that monstrosity <laughs> Yeah. And so did we. <laughs> well, I will see your feather disaster and raise you a catastrophic jellyfish fairy dress. Oh, no. Yeah, you're right. That is the worst. Specifically the blue one. I mean, yeah. they're, both, they're both bad, but they're both the bad. But at least Amy one. Acker looks cute. At least Amy Acker's is pink. And yeah. Pink. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Hers just like. It's a little better. Hers is a little better. better. It's, it's like a tailored better. Bet. It's more, it's tailored a little bit better. But yeah, I mean, they're still god awful silhouettes. Yeah, but at least you can like crop Amy Acker's pink one and just mm -hmm. have if it's just waist up, it looks beautiful actually. Also, yeah. for like whatever reason, they they let Amy Acker just have like little ballet flats with hers. Yeah, and like whenever they do a long shot of the blue fairy, they put her in these gigantic clear five inch stripper heels. Oh really? Yeah. If you really pay attention, whenever you see like the scenes where she's like little and like flying and talking to someone, they're like big old stripper heels. Ew, weird. Yeah, I don't, I, that was, I guess that could have been under my things. I didn't notice until this watch because <laughs> I definitely didn't notice it until we were watching it to do this show that I was like, wait, is she wearing like big old platform, six inch see-through stripper heels? Yes, yes, she is. Like, again, I under, it's one of those things where when you know that they wanted the role to go to Lady Gaga, the look makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If Lady Gaga had been those shoes, I wouldn't have bad an eye. Or shoes or the outfit, to be honest. Like, that is a Lady Gaga outfit. You know what Lady I'm saying? Lady Gaga like, does anything, and I just am like, she doing her thing. And I just, and it's fine. I roll it. With I don't it, question right? it. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like they still went with, like, it, very stubbornly. I feel like Castro was like, I was told Lady Gaga was going to be this fairy, you know, and just kind of like used to move past that. Yeah, because Keegan Connor Tracy, like it just doesn't like look good on her. Like it just doesn't fit her. And no, she looks way cuter in the nun outfit. Yeah. She's, she's got a more subdued look, which is why something that's just like a more like classic tailored outfit, like the nun outfit looks good on her. And then them like throwing her in a Vegas showgirl outfit, like it just it, she doesn't even look like she wants to be in it yeah that's the thing is like she doesn't even like she looks so uncomfortable and it's so ill-fitting like you just expect her to look into the camera and be like help me yeah <laughs> like, i feel sorry for her having to yeah. like you know well, dress yeah, it, like it, it doesn't a, look a, that that outfit and those shoes they're not look comfortable no mm -mm. They're and she's on bad. strings the whole fucking time yeah. when she mm -hmm. so i'm just like oh, it's gotta be a misery yeah so yeah her whole look i i just feels like like she suffered in for again what? yeah exactly again like i just feel like the head of the costuming was stubborn it's yeah. like i was told lady gaga so therefore i'm gonna pretend this was actress is lady gaga and i'm like don't do that don't do that what about you um, well i mean you guys took my two that are the absolute worst <laughs> so that just leads leaves me with the weird purple prom dress they stuck snow in and the price of gold which i still do not understand it was a choice like it was just an off the rack purple prom dress. I don't get it. From Windsor. Yeah, I don't like why. Also, 
Shepard Charming's wig deserves an honorable mention. Here. Oh, that thing was bad. The oh, mop was they stuffed atop his head. Uh, it was like a shaved raccoon's ass. They just like they they just like cut off the top of a mop and spray painted it and stuck it on and was like, you look golden, babe. <laughs> oh, but don't forget the Fry Guy helmets, Lynn. Oh, shit. How did I forget those god-awful helmets? Especially since I ranted about them so much. They need to be burned. Yeah, they're terrible, like, noodly feathers. Ugh. Like, why? I hate them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I think of that, because maybe that's, yeah, no, that's that from your worst. memory. That is the worst. I did. I blocked it out because they hurt my feelings so much. <laughs> like bad. every time I had to look at them, I felt like it was a personal attack. So I blocked it out because the pain was too bad. But they are the actual worst. I hate them. I hate them. That's all I got. All right. Well, let's take a little break. And then when we come back, we can talk about some spoilers, which we never get to do. It's very exciting. We'll still very keep exciting. it you know, pretty, pretty high level um, to not, you know, spoil too much. But if you want to go into season two, this is your first time watching or you're just listening along, feel free to stop it here. I want to say thank you again for all your support and for, you know, listening to us and going on this journey with us. If you want to stick around to, to hear us be excited for what's to come, uh, stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Elisa, what are you looking forward to in season two? Oh, man. So, absolutely looking forward to Hook. I've been missing our good friend Killian. Excited to, to get him here because I do, do love me some Hook. I'm also very excited for Neil. I really love Neil. I love Neil so much, and I'm very excited to see him. I'm also really excited for Aurora and Mulan. And all the promise that Sleeping Warrior as a ship was, because damn, I was I was so here for it. And we we do get a lot of that potential in, in this season. So I'm excited to see them. I love them. I love them. What am I also excited about? I'm excited about Dreamy Handsome Lancelot, but I'm still very disappointed for how little we actually get of Dreamy Handsome Lancelot, which I'll talk all about that in that episode once we get there. Um, this reference is, is just for Lynn, but I'm very excited for David squashing the magic hat with his butt. He broke it with his butt. <laughs> which is something we laughed about for years. Years. <laughs> which is what she shouted at me, uh, when, uh, a certain cliffhanger in, uh, episode one of season two happens. Let's see. I'm also really excited for Mary Margaret and Emma adventures in the remains of the Enchanted Forest. I think that, that storyline is really fun. Um, see them bonding for the first time as knowingly mother and daughter. Um, we also see some start of the reluctant teamwork with Regina, which I think is really interesting. So overall, pretty pretty pumped about the second season. I remember this being a really good one. It's been a little a little longer um, since I've rewatched this one in comparison to season one. Or I mean, obviously I just rewatched season one, but 
I mean, we had recently also rewatched season one, you know, a couple of years ago. This one's been a handful of years since I've seen it. So excited to watch it again. Excited to see all these lovely season two characters who get introduced. How about you, Chell? Neil. I am so fucking excited for Neil. Oh my God. I am so fucking excited. I just, I can't even. I, I'm, I am vibrating with excitement at his appearance because I, love I fucking him. love him so much. I am looking forward to Hook. I have my Hook related issues, but I do like him and I like Colin Donahue who plays him. So, and he plays him very well. I do like a sexy hook and he is very handsome, very sexy hook. (laughs) He's not Jason Isaac's sexy, but he is a very sexy hook. I am also really looking forward to the return of Cora because I love an evil bitch, (laughs) (laughs) but I especially love her backstory and ah, sigh the backstory that should have been. Speaking of should have been, Sleeping Warrior. Oh, the sexual tension between those two. So thick you could cut it with a knife. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like, give us Sleeping Warrior, you fucking cowards. Cowards. Cowards, you bitch. They bitched out of it. Yeah. Oh, they absolutely Absolutely did. Like, they set it up and I don't know. I don't know who put the plug on that. I want to do some research. Remind me to do some research on that. Oh, and of course, second only to Neil. Well, Neil is, I guess, the second. I'm looking forward to more Rumbell cuteness. How about you, Lynn? Oh my gosh. God, I was so 9,000% in for Sleeping Warrior. (laughs) Alexa, play Rolling in the Deep. I'll never be over it. But like everyone else, Neil, my sweet angel. I love him so much and I can't wait to see his little face again. And Mary Margaret power mom with a bow, but also a cardigan and her backpack in case you get cold, sweetie. She will <laughs> mom the hell out of Emma in the Enchanted Forest while shooting a troll between the eyes. And I love her so much. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. really looking forward to how Emma and Mary Margaret's dynamic shifts into official mom and daughter. And Emma's like, whoa, we were friends and peers and now you're trying to mom me? What the fuck? <laughs> Mary Margaret, uh, like, I was momming you all along. I know. Yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, I've exactly. Always Spoiler, been a mom. Alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Remember like two days ago when you crawled back home and you're like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. <laughs> She's always been momming. Always been yeah. momming. Never stop momming. Never stop momming. She is the mom friend. <laughs> Um, As a reminder, we are taking the month of August off and will return for Once Upon a Rewatch Season 2 on Sunday, September 5th. And um, keep up with us also on social media. We'll still be around-ish and we're we're not going to be completely radio silent. So feel free to uh, talk Once Upon a Time with us on Instagram, Twitter, or Tumblr. Yeah, thanks guys. Yeah, so the narrators through here, we just want to say a big thank you to everyone who has listened and come with us on this journey as we have all been sort of feeling around blindly in the wonderful world of podcast making. Uh, Thank you for tolerating our screaming cats in the background and the myriad of volume and other (laughs) audio related issues that have popped up. This is a learning process for us, but we appreciate your listenership. And every time that one of you reach out to us, 
and talk to us on social media. We live for it. So continue to do that. We'll continue to hopefully entertain you. Hopefully. That's our goal. That's our goal. <laughs> we don't really have a moral of this episode because well, it wasn't really an episode. The moral like of this podcast is my friends are my true power. Oh, friendship is magic. Friendship is magic. Friendship is magic. Oh, wait, that's the wrong IP. <laughs> eh, it'll all be Disney someday. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Ouch. You can find us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Talk fairy tales with us on Twitter at once upon rewatch. On Instagram at once upon rewatch. On Tumblr at onceuponarewatch.tumblr.com. If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. I want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro is Fairy Tale Waltz. And remember, all pod devices come with a price. I'm going to stop recording. Huzzah! Huzzah!